0: Hey, welcome to Knee Down Podcast. I hope you enjoy. Please like and share if you do. It's a cloudy Saturday morning in England. The hustle and the bustle of the weekend has begun. Many people are out and about, maybe visiting friends, maybe getting a haircut, but they clearly do not know that this weekend is the rejuvenation of 2020 season for MotoGP hot damn I am excited Um, don't know if you are too but the first race of the season of 2020 season in Jerez Spain is on the 19th of July Uh, currently it's Saturday the 18th so if you're listening to this on the Saturday that it's released then sweet you don't know what's happened yet, but if you're listening to a post, um, I hope it's been a fantastic weekend that's gone by. So I don't know if you caught FP1 on Friday the 17th. Um, you know, I thought it was going to be one of the biggest learning curve sessions that these riders would have had for such a long time. I mean, the amount of time off that these riders have had has been like it's been unfathomable. To top it off, old Fabs, uh, Fabio Quadraro, had a 20-minute time penalty in FP1. And that was because he uh, did like a, a track session on an illegal version of the Yamaha R1. That was outside of the rules. Um and the day, rules are rules. And he had a 20-minute time penalty on FP1. I don't feel like it... It hindered them too much though to be fair, um, maybe just in the confidence level because whereas everyone else in the final 10 minutes they were able to whack a few softs in and uh, I think they, they were in the 137s whereas FP1 Fabs didn't really get there for, and FP2 everyone was sitting at 138 but they were talking about the temperature of the track and that was affecting their ability to go a lot faster. Now what was also really interesting is the effect of COVID-19 on the paddock and it was weird. I think the hardest thing what I noticed was for Simon Crafer, who was trying to conduct his interviews with um any of the pit team and he had he was he said on um on the radio that he had this huge long pole with the mic on and then there was one stage where he's like, "Yo, I'm I'm trying to write the words down and give it to them," um, and then I'm, and then he was like shouting out the the question as well. Um, it was a bit mental. What I think they should do is like, at each each garage, have like a a little booth with one of those screen shields like you have at Tesco's, and then just have it, an area where you can just put the mic through. That way, they're they're close but protected and they're not shouting at each other and it's still going to be an effective way to give um the interviews okay well i got excited um went straight into the motor gp news uh today what we're going to do is talk about we're going to continue the conversation on the motor gp news and as i said the rejuvenation of the 2020 season in part two a little bit of news on track days themselves. Um, to be honest, I really want to figure out a, a different way to go about this. This track news. There's a lot out there for for riders who who aren't racers and they just want um, to go on those general track days. And um, I'm sure there's going there's got to be more information out there that's going to be far more useful. And in the third, I'm going to run through my current training that I've been doing for track day fitness. Now, I've just been running my own training program for me personally, but uh, there were a couple of breakthroughs this week on my week eight, which have been really good, and that's what I want to share. So back into part one, as we sort of broke into uh, the GP season is here. Uh, in terms of the GP news, we have the first race in Jerez. This is the first of two races at Jerez. It's going to be on the 19th um motor 3 race is going to be at 10 a.m this is the uk time motor 2 is at eleven twenty, and the the big dog motor gp is going to be at 1 p.m so this is at the spanish grand prix circuit de jerez now the description is it's a colorful event which draws massive crowds that's awkward because there are no crowds at the moment, which is which is good, you know, we have got to be safe uh, from all over to watch the world's best riders do battle in the sunshine of Andalusia. The Hereth Circuit in southern Spain was built in 1986. That's pretty cool, and has hosted its first Grand Prix a year later, and has remained on the MotoGP calendar ever since. Now that's pretty crazy because I know there was a there's a track in South Africa. And that was definitely on the MotoGP calendar, but it stopped so long ago. So I wonder how many other tracks are out there that were built. All this money had gone into it, and then it was just taken off the calendar. The Isle of Man did have a track as well, I believe. But that was a long time ago, and that was definitely taken off from the the safety aspect, because I think they still raced on the roads, there isn't actually a specific MotoGP track on the Isle of Man, if I remember correctly. I'm sure that was all from one of the, do- the many documentaries that I watched during lockdown, because um, on Red Bull TV, there are quite a few, and they have been very interesting. Um, anyway, I digress. What's, uh, where are we at? So, it hosted its first MotoGP calendar a year later. As a nation, Spain has produced some of the great riders of the years, such as, Angel Nieto, Ricardo Tormo, Cito Cito Pons, Alex Crivelli, and Jorge Martinez. Aspar, apparently. And the likes of Jorge Lorenzo, Mark Marquez, Danny Pedrosa, and Maverick Vinales now continue the Spanish success story in the premier class. I think they're missing... Rins is Spanish, right? I think... And... And, uh... This is old. This little clip here is old, because we've also got... Um... Yeah, we've got Rins. And, um... Juan Mir. I'm sure they're... They're Spanish boys. God, Spain... Spain produces a lot of riders, hey? I wonder... I wonder if that's to do with their... Their physical size, Because, generally, they are... Um they are a lot smaller and that that 100% bodes well to being a a good well not a good rider but a more effective rider because of the uh, power to weight ratio is going to be a lot better if they can if they can maintain a a lot lower uh natural body weight well nah i definitely don't think they're they're not like natural that's not their natural weight that they want to stay at um if they were to eat properly Ugh, not not like eat properly. I'm losing it. I'm losing it, guys. Um, No, what I'm trying to say is that if they were to just eat normally, they would probably be be maybe 5 to 10 kilos heavier. I'm sure they they manipulate themselves to be a lot lighter than what they would be comfortably sitting at. There we go. Nailed it. Um, And we did discuss this. Uh, in my last podcast there was a there was that lad the German guy who was actually penalized was it 500 euros a day for being a kilo overweight Um, so pretty hectic and also there was the whole Danilo Petrucci um, discussions as well coming into 2019 so they're saying that he's like one of the biggest riders out there, quite a big frame, um, carrying on a lot more, a lot more mass than the other riders. There was also, so in, in the documentaries that I watched, um, I think it's called something about something samurai. Uh, I think Pedrosa, Danny Pedrosa was the samurai or something when he, he rode and, uh, he's a really small guy yeah he's a small oak but he actually said it was so whereas I've just said that have that that lighter weight to have that better power to weight ratio I'm pretty sure there's going to be a sweet spot because Danny Pedrosa was saying that he was too light and that he I think it was especially when coming out of corners um, the, the likelihood of him getting thrown off was a lot greater because he just didn't have that as much traction um because I think in that part of the documentary it kind of shifted to all of his collarbone breakages um and the amount of high sides that he had had within his career. Um which is a shame, you know. He was he was a really good rider. I think he's doing some really good work. Is he with KTM right now? Um I think he's with KTM. So I think he's doing a really good job. Helping bring that bark bark up to speed. Oh, and there we go. KTM. So with KTM, we've got uh, Petrucci, who's going over to the Tech 3 team. Uh, we've got uh, Paul, Paul Esperago, who's uh, definitely 100% joining HRC uh, now. So that means Alex Marquez is not. And then there's the whole debacle about Carl Crutchlow. Um Is he going to go to Aprilia? I think that's the likelihood because he was saying that he doesn't want to leave It's not his time yet, Um, let's go to Aprilia. You know what, I think that would be good. Let's see if he gets a little bit of fire. See if he gets a bit of fire to continue himself. Um, Pushing, pushing and going forward. Uh, Let's see if he can help Aprilia as well because going by yesterday's results, they were not doing too well and Aleish was pretty way back and bradley smith wasn't wasn't doing too good In like it's so hard to tell i'm saying this because i'm looking at their their speeds but the whole the whole uh band of riders the whole all 22 riders uh were all within one second of each other between i think it was at this point miller had the uh first spot and then it was like alex marquez was in 22nd but regardless, all riders from first to last were within one second of each other. So it just shows how crazy close this sport is. So anyway, back, back to Hireth. Um The track, this track, if we look at the stats, it's 4.4 kilometers, so that's 2.75 miles, that's long. Uh, the corners, we have 13 corners, five are left, eight are right so it's a little heavier on those right hand corners i think it's 25 laps that they're going to do um let's have a look yeah motor gp 25 laps but i'm pretty sure fabio's got the record and and the stats on the motor gp website are saying that's mark marquez so that's a little confusing but anyway yeah, total distance at 110 kilometers so they ride sixty eight point eight miles in, in a race. That's crazy. I've never actually never actually considered that. So you're pushing yourself for almost 70 miles in this. Uh the straight was really short though. So they were saying um that you don't actually have much time in sixth gear. So longest straight is at six hundred and seven meters. So it'd be interesting to see as we progress through this uh short season to see what kind of straights we have the different different lengths that are out there it's quite a it looks like quite a tight circuit these uh, three sections okay here we go we've got Grand Prix results of 2019 so Marquez won um, Alex Rins came second and Vinales was third interesting Good old Valley. Valentino Rossi's had seven wins at the circuit. Marquez at three, and Jorge at three. Most poles was uh, Jorge at five, so he converted potentially converted three of those wins from five poles. Valentino Rossi five poles, but seven wins, um, so he came back on a few. And Pedrosa has had three poles. And no wins. Oh, poor dude. Poor dude. Oh, here we go. All time lap record, Fabio Quadraro at a one minute 36.880. Uh, top speed of 164.3 miles per hour, I believe. It doesn't actually have the, uh, what it is in, but I'm gonna get, that's definitely gotta be. Oh, that's weird. They we have Andrea uh, in 2015 and they've put it in kilometres. Anyway, these guys must be in miles. So yeah, old Fabs, he smashed it. 136. 136. Oh, okay, so the Mark Marquez one at 138. That was a, a best race lap time. Now they were in FP two they were sitting at a 138 pace. I don't know. It was I don't think it was this close to a 137. Um but it was it was definitely they were all in a 138 so i think when they talk about you know testing that race race pace fp1 <clears throat> fp1 isn't the great predictor it must be fp2 fp3 fp4 i think that's that's also another thing about getting into motor gp is it's, you know it's it's understanding the the tactics of what you need to be doing through each each training session each um free practice but what i do know is that in terms of qualifying they take the combined results between fp1 and fp2 um now like yesterday all top 10 riders were in like the the 137s i think brad binder was in there by the way he was uh 10th good old brad Brad Binder, South Africa, repping at Brew. Um, he's doing really well. So it's his first time out there. Um, oh god, I hope he does well. Hope he does well. Full factory KTM team. Yeah. So they take the combined from FP1 and FP2, and that's going to create the the separation between uh, Q1 and Q2. Those top ten from the combined stats will be in Q2 and then the remainder of the riders will fight it out in Q1 The top two riders of Q1 then join Q2 Within Q2 you then are going to find out who's going to basically be the first 12 riders out there So that's where all the awesomeness happens because they're going to be fighting out for that fastest lap time and get pole position and like win something sick as well i'm pretty sure they get something cool because they always talk about like the cars that like marquez gets and the watches and stuff um so it definitely pays to to get that pole position um and it was funny when i was watching it yesterday and they were talking about fabio quadrar and how well he did during his uh, rookie season he he nailed quite a few uh pole positions that means he's he's racked up you know a few cars a few watches, whatever it may be it could be a, a ten grand valued item here twenty grand valued item there now what would you do in that position like is old fabs from a wealthy family uh this is his first break would you keep all the things i know he he looks like um you know he takes care of himself he said in an interview with that um the, the girl from Red Bull, who does the, she does like the, the MotoGP roundup on, on YouTube and Red Bull TV, um, I can't remember her name, anyway, he said to her, she was asking questions like, oh, who would, um, who would be the model of the, the MotoGP sort of family, um, now, if it, if it were, I think some might have said Andrea Iannone, which is, which is 100% bang on, but then Fabio was like, but Fabio came up a few times as well as some riders. And he also was like, yeah, me. <laughs> so um, I think he might keep a couple of the items that he won in his, uh, in his qualifying, but he also could be a smart young lad. Like I so say, he might not be from a wealthy family, might be selling these things and investing um i don't know how expensive it is to live in france i know when i visited there a few times it's been hella expensive we uh we went to i mean a friend of mine went to go watch uh city in color in paris um unfortunately got canceled this was a few years ago anyway we trekked all the way out there uh thankfully we got to see uh harlequin's rugby team en route which was pretty sick um but what happened is, yeah, so City in Colour got cancelled, but we arrived. And I was like, oh, you know, French make a good coffee. Let's go get myself a nice cappuccino or flat white or something. I would like a good coffee. Um, Anyway, six euros. It was six euros for a coffee. Uh, what did I get? Café Oulé, s'il vous plaît. Coffee with milk. Um anyway, it was expensive. And I remember the whole trip being pretty pretty pricey in terms of beers and stuff like that because yeah, City and Colour got cancelled, so had to had to drink the beers. Uh, yeah. Once again, digress back to Moto uh, I think we pretty much summed it up there. Fabio um did quite well last year. Let's see if he can improve. He had that penalty as well, FP one. Oh, that's it. Are you on the uh, fantasy team? MotoGP fantasy. So, I've... Okay, just going back through it. Um, I've got unlimited trades remaining, apparently. I've got a remaining salary of 100 grand. And I've got a team value of $14.9 million. Um, million. I've got Marquez... Cost me 5.6. Alex Rins for 3 millerin, So they're my gold riders. And then I chose Suzuki as my factory. And then silver riders. We have Elish Espagro because he was 1.6 mil. And Jack Miller because uh, yeah, I like Jack Miller. And that's it. I'm ready. Ready for it. I don't know. I don't really understand how it works or anything like that. But I've uh, chosen my team. And they're here. I'm pretty sure I set up like a little group. Um, so if you look at the Track Day Fitness Instagram, there is a post on on what my group is. Um, I think it's gonna, you know, it's quite cool. It's gonna bring a new little element to it. Uh, like I've put a in there. I've never really followed leash as a rider, but uh, because I've now chosen him as one of my my teams then i think i'll follow him a bit more which i think is quite cool it makes you a little bit more involved in the sport as well not just following your your favorite rider so what have i put yeah so it's in in my track day fitness and it's uh it's free oh i've made a tdf league track day fitness league and there's a code to join so unique code If you want to do it over this it's uh z z l r a m f n if you missed that rewind and check it out and uh i've put let's see who has the best foresight yeah let's check that out hey so let's put a little bit of uh uh our foresight now on who's going to win what are the results going to be for her number one now my money is on mark that's mark Mark Marquez for first. Uh, second place, Vinales. Third place, Fab, Fabio Quartararo, And fourth place, Alex Rins, followed by fifth, Jack Miller. Do you have a MotoGP fantasy team? Get on this. I think it'll be good. It'll be good fun. That ends MotoGP news. Uh, heaps to talk about, absolutely love it, and I'm so happy that MotoGP is back. Um, just, you know, it, it just brings back life to the passion of, of motorbikes, and I want to get back out and ride my bike as well, do some track days, and that's going to lead on to part two, which is track days. Now, track days, um, as I said at the start, there's, you know, I want to, I want to try and Expand on this a little bit more track days are the only thing that a lot of us can only can do um, So I need to figure out a way to bring some more information about this and talk about it, but what I've been able to sort of Create this week is is just the information that's out there and the biggest story is that Ron Haslam school uh, The racing school which I spoke about when I was talking to Paros, that I want to get involved because I want to improve myself as a rider on the track understanding corners better, understanding my whole body position a lot better um, becoming far more confident and feeling in control with the bike now unfortunately they are closing, this will be their final season and that was released on the website the other day they are going to be continuing um, uh, the school sessions for the remainder of this year with the first being on the 5th of August well, I'm telling you guys it is so hard to get booked on that. So I don't know if they're already fully booked or they're just overwhelmed or whatever, but uh it's really difficult. Now I'm super sad as I said this was something that I wanted to do and um my track friend, track friend uh <laughs> Adam, he uh he also really wants to get in this as well. So it'll be it's it's going to be sad for a lot of riders out there, especially who want to improve um and we aren't racers and we don't have the funds So I have heaps of barks and crashing to learn. So I'd rather learn in a nice, controlled environment. Now, maybe this has been a long time coming for Ron Haslam and the school. It's been going a really long time, I think over 20 years or something. But it's been going on for a really long time. um, And now it's closing. Maybe it's been a long time coming, but maybe COVID has just been that catalyst to excel it to the point where they can't continue. I hope they find an alternative out there. There, there is a lot of passion out there for motorbikes, for track days. Um, as I've found from, from the fitness aspect, I'm trying to help track riders from their fitness aspect, and uh, people are interested. People spend a lot of money on their motorbikes. They go on these track days which aren't cheap. We do want to be better when we go to the track because there, there are other riders out there who want to be safe, but we also want to be... Um, want to be good want to be damn good son now regardless i hope i can get a session before they close um and at least give them give them some some money <laughs> going to towards maybe something in the future now in terms of track days uh, now msv track days now they are fully booked up until the 10th of august now that's at present today 18th of july 2020 No Limits, their closest available date is the 25th of July, um, which is sooner, but it's at Leyden Hill. I've no familiarity with Leyden Hill, so I don't know if it's just not as a good track, maybe. Maybe that's why it's not booked. Um, It's a Saturday, so I would have thought it'd be booked. I mean, that's one graph, I suppose. MSV track days and all the track days are always on a weekday. Now, that means you have to take a day off work. To go, to go do it. I mean, it's fun. It's just a bit of a nuisance. Hey, if you're self-employed then sweet, you can maybe jimmy it. But again, you're, you're taking away a day that you're potentially going to have customers. Um, man, it's so difficult. So difficult. I'd rather weekends though. I'd rather have a full weekend, ride on Saturday, blitz it, rest on Sunday. As opposed to taking days off during the week but you know gotta do what you gotta do that ends uh part two see it's so small it's so short see if i can expand on this if you have any ideas please uh drop me a message send it track day fitness on my instagram or on the the facebook page um give me a give me some ideas but you know i'll i'll think of something too now let's talk about fitness this is part three track day fitness now my current experience in the last eight weeks here we go got a whatsapp message now my experience in the last eight weeks that's what i want to talk about Uh, i've written a a program uh, to support me while i'm at home and to improve my my fitness this this program consisted of three bodyweight exercises per week sorry three bodyweight sessions a week and two running sessions a week on monday now this i think this has been the the best thing is i've kept the consistency on the days of what they are monday uh, 5k uh consistent pace on tuesday bodyweight routine wednesday rest thursday fart lick interval style uh, running session Now that is two minutes at a steady pace. One minute, I really caned it this week. I put a good sprint in for the the next minute. And then it's a two minute walk. And again, in my walks, I was far more like determined. Um, I wasn't lagging. So that really helped keep me going. Um, Then on Friday, body weight session. Saturday, rest podcast. Um, Sunday, body weight so that's the the three sessions i do have supplement exercises and routines as well so i have the neck routine that i generally do on the monday and the wednesday now that has been the hardest thing to keep consistent because it's it's and and i know that with the clients that i have had too like it's there it's important it's just when you're you're doing something when it's a supplemental exercise you really need to have that routine stuck in place so you actually do it Um, so keep it up if you're if you're following any other programs just just keep it up keep that consistency and keep those days set because even on a day that you suffer with motivation um, you'll be more inclined to do it to get it done just take it off some days you're going to have the the best energy and the motivation in the world and when you have those days take full advantage absolutely smash it Um, other days you might not have the motivation but don't sit in your bum just go do it uh Sorry, supplemental exercises. Neck routine, um, try and do it on the Monday and Wednesday, but that varied. Maybe once a week, maybe twice a week, but just try and keep that consistency. It's an important routine to do. we want to keep that neck strong, mobile, flexible. Um, it doesn't want to get overstrained when you actually get on the bark, putting that lid on and having that weight rock around. Then there's also the stretching and the yoga. Um, stretching is so, so freaking important. Um, and it's so easily neglected. So again, have a routine if you can put it down. Um, so like my days off uh, on Wednesday and Saturday, I make sure that I get a good routine. And I put a routine on my Instagram uh, for track day fitness. So that's just like a simple routine that you can follow. It goes from um, releasing the shoulders um, all the way through through the body. And now it's not the, the ultimate stretching plan to do but it's a nice start if you can if you can get within that then it's going to help Uh, I spoke about it in another podcast but when you when you stretch um, it's not like you did when you were doing PE at school where you literally just just go into the stretch you hold it for like two seconds and then you move on and then you start running around like an idiot Uh, hold these stretches for 10 to 20 seconds to actually get the full um, you want the full benefit from actually stretching it needs to be a minimum of 10 seconds. Uh, and if you're doing 10 seconds, definitely repeat it a couple of times. So going to my training, it's, uh, it was, it's week eight this week, which is pretty cool. I'm so glad that I've, uh, I've maintained it. And uh, having a program creates that accountability. Um, and that's really what I want to do when I, I do track day fitness um, with my clients. by having a program out there we have accountability. Uh, we have our programs on uh, a Google spreadsheet as well, so they can enter data. I can see the data. We can adapt the data. It's so sick, bro. But uh, it just it just helps having that platform for you as a client to be able to see, um, and me as the coach to then be able to adjust it appropriately for what goals that we want to achieve. And in one of my podcasts, I talked about running technique. Um, I've been Getting my my nerd brain on and reading Strength and Conditioning for Endurance Athletes by Richard Blagrove, um, and there's a brilliant section in there around running technique um, and becoming an efficient runner. It's like it's like riding. We need to become a, a more efficient rider. Going going faster doesn't mean you're you're going to be faster on the track. So by going faster, just just whacking the throttle is what I mean it doesn't mean you're gonna be fast on the track. No, you need to have those techniques and skills going around corners, um, knowing when to to taper off on the throttle, putting it on. There's there's so many techniques out there, body position. Um, how is that body position moving on the back gonna be counter effective or effective? But without being taught these things, you don't know it, hey? Um, so that's one thing with, with the, from a fitness perspective, going through this running technique with Richard Blaygrove is we looked at uh, stride, how how you want to be effective with your stride. Where's the foot placement on the ground? We want to be forefoot, uh, mid to forefoot. That's where the connection needs to be. Now, if you do this, you actually find that you, you want to spring that foot off the ground a lot quicker. That is perfect. That is what we want. We want to have less ground contact time. If we have less ground contact time, we're effectively just going to be faster because we're gonna. The next foot's going to be down. Next stride, go 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 go. Found that there was a lot more spring in my step when uh, when I started to to input these these techniques. But it wasn't an easy path, you know. Dorothy had her her path to follow, her yellow brick road, nice and easy brew. Um, but there's always a challenge that's going to come up. Sorry, once again, WhatsApp kicking off. Um, but with this. This was my sixth session, and uh, the first five, you know, they sucked. <laughs> they sucked just because it was so hard to maintain the correct running posture and technique when my body was so used to running like Phoebe from Friends. You know, I wanted to flail on all the limbs all over the place, but, uh, you know, I had to get my Rachel Brain on, ch 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 and crack through. I think by going through it and reading it and trying to understand it and then implementing it, um, that was a good drive. But it also, it it helped me to keep going. Um, It is an effective way to run and it will be beneficial in the end. Now my breakthrough this week was just the fact that I could feel the change when my body, when my hips wanted to drop And get too low when my knees started to come in a little bit so you know when they swing into your midline um, you might find that when you run you might knee yourself now we don't want that to happen it's going to cause a lot of issues very high risk to injury to your knees if that's happening Um, pretty sure that's going to be increased if you're going like cross-country running because of the uneven surface so I want to try and change that but the the spring in my step was just so much better, and I felt so much more efficient. My body was able to maintain that that posture um, without getting too fatigued, and I was faster. So, the eighth session turned out to be the fartlek interval session, um, and I was, uh, I think I ran at a 6.09 minute kilometre this week versus a 6.29 kilometer uh, the week prior. so I was super stoked super super stoked um, but yeah consistency has definitely come down to that. So that's sixth session and after adjusting the running technique, I followed the strength conditioning for endurance athletes um, coaching cues and you know that switch just clicked in my head. It helped with my my stride consistency and also my breathing as well. You have those fast segments, those sprint segments, and like I said earlier, I really caned it. I, I was able to push during those sprint segments just because I had that energy in reserve. Um energy in reserve from the improved running technique I was really able to push it. The breathing, it just, it just felt far more natural. Now, it's so weird to say that I knew how to breathe properly because, you know, we just breathe. But if when you start running um, and you don't have full control of how you're breathing, it can be one of the most detrimental things to your performance. And this has a huge crossover to riding. When, we, when we're out there, um, it has been shown that we're at, we're at 80 to 90 percent maximum heart rate now that is huge that means your your heart's beating fast your 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 breath's going to be crazy um you got to keep yourself controlled though and yesterday i found that i was far more in control my heartbeat was obviously a lot higher during these sprints um the oxygen deprivation was there i needed to get it in but i felt heaps better um, and that was just from consistency and just sort of learning learning my body so if you're out there and you're running and you're struggling just keep at it it will come uh, you will get better it's just a challenge and we'll overcome it together so my next challenge for track day fitness is to help with the assessments that you can do at home to work on your own movement patterns now first for I want to start with the overhead squat movement and you can do this at home you, you you've probably seen a lot Crossfit's huge out there at the moment, so if you're on like uh, Facebook, YouTube, whatever, you'll probably see a video come up with these guys using a broomstick to do movements, and that's something that you can do at home as well. I actually have a, a mop for the kitchen, which uh, I think I'm gonna use in my videos. But what will this do? It's gonna help ID any flexibility issues that you have, or it's gonna help RD any movement control issues that you have. Little things like this can help build up the correct neuromuscular signals, which in turn will help you on the bark. Not because we do some sick, sweet acrobats standing on the bark, popping a squat. No, just the fact that you will be more in tune moving with your body and how it responds to what you want it to do or it doing it autonomously. Thank you very much for following Knee Down Podcast. I'll catch you later and until next time, keep your knees down.